Welcome to The Crucible, where the Southern African Institute of Mining and Metallurgy gives you a front row seat to conversations with specialists in the minerals and metal sector. SIAM has well over a hundred years experience in and commitment to protecting the professional standards of our industry. Join us now as we discuss the key issues and global initiatives to give you the relevant information needed to make informed decisions, to influence policy that directly affects our sector, and to help our industry grow in an uncertain future. Welcome, everyone. Uh, welcome to the SIM podcast, The Crucible. And today I've got the privilege to speak to Dr. Johan Zitzman, who prefers to be called Johan. So let me start with the impressive CV first. So Johan, you have a PhD in metallurgical engineering and you work with the dark arts of thermochemistry and computational modeling. You've worked with everything from steel to titanium to ferrochrome, ferromanganese, platinum, and copper. And I think to top it all off, you are also the CEO of Xmente. So that's a very impressive CV. But for the listeners, Yuan, to start us off on the podcast, I want to know more about your passions in life. And I want to know what is your vision for our future? Thank you, Zalmia, for the kind introduction. Yeah, I've got several passions. I think I'm easily amused. Uh, I'm interested in, in many things. But uh, within the context of this conversation, one of my key passions is, is people. Uh, we're going to talk about technology, but you can't separate technology from people. Uh, technology cannot exist without people. And um, then my family, obviously, that's my safe place music uh, from an early age and I really like and enjoy solving difficult problems. Uh. Uh, I'm drawn to doing difficult things so uh, I, I easily get bored. Uh, so I like a, a, a thorough challenge and I think I've, I've found, found the industry in which there are several of, of them. Uh, so it's a, it's a really great privilege to me to, to work as a pyrometallurgist. It's not a career that I chose, it chose me. So, yeah, there are several challenges in the world in, and in South Africa regarding that, and, and pyrometallurgy definitely is part of my passion. It's a great privilege when your day-to-day -day is actually one of your passions. That's really a great thing to hear. So you are definitely the right person to be here and to be talking to. And on that note, Yuan, uh, I want to ask, why are we here today talking about new technologies in pyrometallurgical engineering? I started off my career um, at ISCOR way back in the day, and uh, we had to redevelop Ilmenite smelting because uh, at that stage uh, Rio Tinto and Anglo-American had access to Ilmenite smelting technology but it's a very secretive industry nobody talks to anybody and at ISCOR we had to basically redevelop rediscover how to do Ilmenite smelting which is a, a very challenging process and I'm grateful that 
I kind of grew up in Ilmenite smelting because it prepared me very well for for other challenges that, that came later. In 2001, I started Exmente, and from the start, we, we wanted to to help our clients to uh, to improve their operations. And we have had the almost precarious privilege of being involved in really terrible situations around the world where big smelters of hundreds of millions of dollars were designed and built. And when they were started up, the owners were really very disappointed. Uh, They either took a much longer time to reach full production, which is terrible for your net present value in your original uh, business case, or some of them have have yet to reach their full production capacity. Uh, one specific example that that we're working on at the moment is, uh, is a smelter uh, um, abroad, which is limping along at about 25% of its production capacity. Now, we look at these situations and look at the client who's invested substantial amounts of money and you see them suffer through this. And I think at one point I, I told one of our clients, if, if as pyrometallurgists we built planes, we would have been killing people in droves um, because it's so unreliable, really, when we put up a new smelter. The, the risk of failure, or the probability of failure is, is, is way too high from my perspective. Along this journey... We've had to, we, we have been forced to put things in place to help our clients make sense of this confusion that they, that they encounter when, when they are forced to enter into a new production technology development. Sometimes they don't even realize that they are in that situation. It seems like it's an established technology, but then it's not. So, um, and so these Difficult situations have allowed us to learn a lot about the process of new technology development and how to approach it in a structured manner. Um, and we're trying to in, be involved in, in with clients in a more proactive way. And green steel making is one of those examples. The steel industry is being forced to do things differently. And now we're hoping that with what we've learned from the bad situations, we can improve the likelihood of these clients uh, doing much better. And and uh, in the steel industry, it's very sensitive. It's a low margin, high volume business. If you get it wrong there, you will destroy a company or a steelworks. And we, we don't want to do that. So maybe taking into account everything you just said, high uncertainty in the pyrometallurgy field, high risk, very sensitive profit margins, NPVs, and then as you've mentioned, globally, I think, the pyrometallurgists are being forced to do things differently. So keeping all of that in mind, I'm going to ask a very delicate question. Do you believe that there is a future for pyrometallurgy in South Africa 
also taking into account our very unique situation with our infrastructure, our raw material quality, and I think as you alluded to, ESG being on the forefront. Do you think there's a future for us? Absolutely. <laughs> I am I am a very optimistic person, so uh, otherwise I would never have started my own business. But I think we have very good reasons to be optimistic about biometallurgy in South Africa. Uh, first of all, we've got immense assets in the ground in South Africa. Uh, based on what, what I understand, there's no other industry in South Africa that can get our um, country back on track to, to generate the revenue, the, the, the foreign revenue uh, at scale to, to get us back on our feet, to, to, to do the development work. So mining and metallurgy is that industry. It's, it's been the foundation of South Africa's economy for a very long time. Uh, so we, we have that. We have those resources. The next thing is, um, South Africans, we, we, we tend to complain about a lot of things. And I think in, at, yes. at, at the moment, we, we do have justifi justification to, to complain a little bit or, or even a lot. But South Africans are wonderfully resilient people. They don't, they don't lie down. They never say die. Uh, the, the last two weekends, uh, the Springboks have just showed us that again. And I'm hoping that they are going to show us that in the in the coming uh, Rugby World Cup final this weekend. So our people, we've got the, the mineral resources and we've got the, the people as well to do this. Um, we are pioneers. In, in our very being, we are pioneers. So I don't see why uh, fundamentally we don't have any constraints. Uh, we've got uh, limitations in terms of uh, government and infrastructure and, and, and those things. And I think the most important thing is that government should create circumstances for people to innovate and, 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 and uh, be entrepreneurial. And very importantly, just get out of the way. Uh, <laughs> the lifting of... Uh, uh, no, really, uh, that um, doing less from government uh, should be a good thing. Uh, lifting the the limit for power generation for private power generation is one such an example. Get yes. out of the way. Trust the people. Trust the the free market system to drive in the direction that you, that we need to go, and uh, see how these wonderful people in our country can can take hold of those opportunities, and 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 and, and craft a new future for us. So yes, I I do believe that there is a future. Is it easy? No. Uh, but again, I'm drawn to difficult things. Um, it make, it challenges me, it challenges me to, to think differently. Uh, but I'm absolutely convinced that there's a, there's a very bright future. Uh, no pun intended there for pyrometallurgy, but, um, <laughs> I, I honestly do believe that. I, I was struck by the fact that, uh, we are definitely, um, hosting an engineering podcast. If someone asks a question, we're already in solution mode. We're already giving the answers. Uh, so, yes, you're definitely drawn to difficult challenges. Um, 
I think keeping in mind, uh, as you've said, very strong baseline in metallurgy and mining in, in our industry. I think um, the latest figures uh, were around 60% contribution to our economy through mining and metallurgy. Let's call it the metals industry, right? And uh, we've talked about the people um, that we are pioneers. Um, can I ask, though, do you think South Africa has the maturity and the culture for entrepreneurship and innovation? Or do you think it's something we still need to work towards? Do we need help? I think we can always improve. But if you look at uh, how many people have gone before us and showed us uh, what can be done. Uh, Hendrik van der Beil was one such a person. Um, I mean, he helped to establish so several of the foundational components of, of South Africa's uh, infrastructure. Iskor was one of them. And do we have the maturity? Do, do we have what it takes to innovate and be entre entrepreneurial? Yes. Um, if if uh, the, the lack of maturity, I think, again, regrettably, is on government side. Um, the government is, is, is unfortunately a, a constraint on, on, on growth in, in the way uh, uh, things are regulated at the moment. Um, so I think fundamentally, the people in South Africa are not constrained. They are equipped well to innovate and, and, and to be entrepreneurial. But uh, the structures that we have in place, uh, their levels of maturity, uh, there's definitely uh, concerns there, and they can constrain the rate at which we progress. Will we progress? Yes. Um, the rate, uh, I think, we should look at. Uh, and, and we should have a, a much more supportive role from government uh, than uh, kind of... Uh, regulation, minimal regulation, and and more stimulation and, and trusting South Africans to do what is necessary. So I think we are saying that in South Africa, we do not have to move completely away from pyrometallurgy. And we are saying that we need more support from government, but we can definitely innovate. And this brings me to the topic of our discussion, which is new technologies in pyrometallurgy. So we are saying there is a better way. There is definitely a better way. What would you say, looking at our recent track record in developing and deploying, talking about rates, what would you say is the readiness of South Africa to engage in this topic of discussion, to engage in the topic of new technologies in the pyrometallurgical field? How well prepared are we? I mean, from Exmente's side, we are involved with several clients around the world, helping them to review their new technology plans and to help them improve them. Uh, this seems a little bit unlikely, I think, to think that a little company in South Africa um, we've got a rich history in pyrometallurgy and that helps us uh, greatly at Expente. We've got a very strong base in South Africa 
and the world, when they look at us, several um, of our clients around the world, when you walk into the room as a South African pyrometallurgist, you carry a, quite a bit of credibility with you. Um, and we don't realize that. So we have been in in our DNA almost with Mintec and Samankor, the first DC furnaces being developed here and new technology. Some of our clients, uh, we've been uh, on, a, on a journey with them to develop new technologies for several years now to use less, uh, much less electrical energy um, to produce the same uh, commodities. So it's not, it's not really, I think that the question is perhaps not the, the, the appropriate question. Can we um, enter into this conversation and participate in this conversation? Uh, we are in this conversation. It's it's happening. It's been happening. It's been our reality for uh, for decades. So, um, but it's uh, this is part of the story, perhaps that we are not telling. Um, there's a lot to doom and gloom about, but again, we've got brilliant clients, brilliant people driving, seeing new uh, um, uh, opportunities. Uh, inventing new processes and we provide the, the specialist technical support for them and, uh, and we in, in many cases provide structure to their, to their processes uh, to help them with the rights. Because if you have a structured approach, then you can, you can progress faster. Um, one of the things that one of the key principles in in how we help clients, and I think I'm I'm moving away now from your question towards, well, it's it's a reality. We you're are going in into solution situation. mode again. <laughs> Solve it. But, but but the problem is that um, we can all get very excited doing new things, but there are certain realities regarding new technologies that you have to be aware of. Uh, it's especially in pyrometallurgy, it is difficult. It is challenging. And basically, you will fail. Failure is absolutely inevitable. What does that mean? I just wanted um, to say, I don't know what to do with that statement. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what to ask. Okay. So, and if you realistically think about life in general, if you take on something new, if your son tries to do something that he's never done before, he will fail. But we, in our culture, in education, we've uh, developed this perception about failure that is so negative. When you make a mistake in the exam, You've got a red cross and you, you lose a mark. So we've got this very negative feedback uh, loop uh, talking back to us when we fail, it's bad. Failure is part of life. It's as an immensely valuable and important part of life. And if you don't accept that, you might fail very badly. We try to help our clients to fail 
well. And you have, you have to fail quickly and you have to fail cheaply. Your, your mistakes should cost you not a lot of money and not a lot of time. That's why to, to check the, first of all, the physical feasibility of a new process concept with the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to take on a lot of fights. If, if the second law disagrees with me, I just, uh, leave the room. I'm not prepared <laughs> to, to fight against the second law. Um, but so failure is a, is a very crucial part of, of new technology development. But we have to understand its role and we have to come up with a strategy to make sure that we fail as early as possible and regularly doing things so that we can adjust rapidly. If you discover your failure after the furnace is at temperature and you want to go for, let's say, a 70 megawatt furnace, you want to go from 30 megawatts to, to uh, 50 megawatts, and all of a sudden you burn through your, your sidewall, that's a terrible time to fail. But if you had simulated the furnace two years in advance and saw what the size of the furnace must be, what the influence of the refractory lining would be, will I be able to sustain a slag freeze lining against the wall to protect the refractories? And you failed several times in your computational model. That is perfect. That's really great That's time to That's perfect fail. failure. Yeah. Um, so it's failure stimulates learning. It challenges you. It forces you to rethink. And it's... It's staggering to me to see how people are willing to put hundreds of millions of dollars on the line and risk failure at the most crucial step. Uh, and we try to help our clients to prevent that from happening. Uh, so we, we, we help, we, we drive the development process by interrogating the concept and criticizing and critically thinking about the concepts as early as possible to make sure we build firm foundations in, for example, how do you design your slag? Which fluxes are you going to, uh, to add to the, to the process? Which part of the phase diagram are you going to operate in? Which physical properties are important to make sure that you get the heat transfer and the fluid flow and the, ultimately the, the kinetics of transforming your raw materials to your um, to your product products. I think, for me, something crucial that you just said, uh, where Xmenta then plays a very important role, and I think this is the first law of project management. <laughs> Don't know about the first or second law of thermodynamics, but for project management, it's always encouraged to do that modeling and to do that interrogation, as you said, as early as possible. I think you mentioned concept. So as early as design already, so I'm guessing whether it's a construction project or whether it's a new technology in pyrometallurgy, the law remains the same. The earlier in the life of the project that you can do this modeling, where you can test this concept, the better, because that enables, uh, what did you call it, failing well and mm. learning from that failure. Uh, failing quickly, failing cheap. 
I think is what you called yeah. it. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I think the universal thing between project management and pyrometallurgy and building aeroplanes is the existence of uncertainty. If we go towards the future, whether it's a project or a new furnace, we sit with uncertainty. And that uncertainty is not magically going to disappear. It takes a lot of hard work to transform um, uncertainty and risk to certainty and opportunity. Mm. And the tools that we have in pyrometallurgy, because of the high temperatures, things like thermodynamics and heat transfer and building these big computational models, uh, they describe these furnaces very well. Um, so if we use them wisely, we can make th that transition from uncertainty to certainty and, and to, to, to craft our opportunities in such a way that for investors looking into our industry, I think that most investors are, are, are afraid of this industry. Yes. Uh, because it's a high-risk industry. And I think as practitioners in this industry, we have to represent the industry better by developing these structured methodologies to give investors the comfort that we are professionals and we can deal with this uncertainty in scientific and structured ways to to uh, convert the, the raw materials that we have into the ground for uh, value for uh, investors, but also value for um, uh, the people of South Africa. Let's take a step back. Uncertainty, investment in South Africa's pyrometallurgy industry, and rate of success. If you had to compare it now with your knowledge and your experience that you have at Exmente, compared to the global industry, how do we compare in terms of rates of success? Uh, you know, getting there faster, implementing new technologies faster. How do we compare with the global pyrometallurgy industry? It's difficult to do a, a representative comparison because these things don't happen all that frequently. Most of the very difficult circumstances that I spoke about, which uh, allowed us to learn about the importance of structured development, was not in South Africa. Well, all of them were not in South Africa. Uh, it, but if you look, for example, at DC ferrochrome smelting, then um, it took decades to get the furnaces, which now run extremely well at Middleburg Ferrochrome, to get to that point, uh, it took a, a long time to get there. I think if we have to go back with everything that we know today, we can do it faster. Uh, but I think the people who were involved, uh, they did wonderfully well to do that. Um, I don't think I can really distinguish South Africa from the rest of the world um, in in this regard. I think the industry as a whole, we kind of make peace that pyrometallurgy is difficult and you can't see and you can't measure. And, but we perhaps forget how valuable a contribution the science behind it can, can give us because it's so powerful 
uh, in its dis- describing of, of high-temperature processes and how valuable structured engineering, uh, we, for example, we, we tend to use the practices of systems engineering a lot. Now, mm-hmm. that's not something that most of uh, our graduates are taught at, uh, at undergraduate level. I believe they should all be, ta- uh, be taught uh, systems engineering. But those things that are well-known are not necessarily standard practice in the metallurgy field. We have not encountered one client that, that formally uses the concepts of, of systems engineering. They might have derived concepts, and sometimes it's not structured enough, and, and, and they don't use the, the, the value of, of, for example, requirements engineering uh, to convert um, uncertainty to, to, to certainty and to create frameworks for, for, for structured projects. So I think I don't really see a, a major difference between South Africa and the rest of the world. We're pretty much in the same boat, and, and we all need to, to, to take note of uh, that, that we should be doing this on a different level. Well, for me, that's encouraging. Maybe moving us into the space of ESG, we, we have to talk about that when we talk about pyrometallurgy. For me, um, I've always experienced Europe as focusing more on the economic side of ESG. And moving to South Africa, I've always experienced us on focusing more on the, let's call it, social responsible side of ESG. So if, if we assume right now that the rate of success uh, getting to new technologies in pyrometallurgy, I want to ask, do you think it's necessary for us to move completely away from carbon in pyrometallurgy, going completely into new technologies, cutting out carbon completely? Or do you think by using systems engineering, using a structured approach, doing the modeling, doing the thermodynamic calculations, do you think there's a way of using carbon more efficiently and effectively and still achieving our ESG goals? For several years now, CO2 has been a a hot topic around the world, climate change, global warming. And, and we've got targets, um, right? We've got targets yeah. that we need to achieve. And it's almost, uh, specifically in Europe, it's almost we don't really need to to ask the question anymore from industry side whether we can or we can't. Uh, it's now being legislated. So you have to. You don't have a you choice have to. anymore. For, yeah. Um, and... Uh, I think that's the wonder of the how the human race moves forward. Uh, sometimes we just put a peg in the ground and say, this is not f- further than this. And that is what people are doing at the moment uh, regarding um, CO2. Now, CO2, we, we can accept that it's a greenhouse gas and it, it has uh, um, influences on the environment. I I'm not an expert on that, and it's, uh, the Earth is a very big system, and uh, I'm not willing to make strong statements regarding that. From the pyrometallurgy side, um, certain processes 
are not feasible without carbon based on the second law. Okay, so again, I don't fight against the second law. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you, you have to very, be a very bad gambler to, to, to bet against the second law. Um, so in certain cases, we will not have a choice. Ferrochrome smelting, for example, you cannot uh, do complete reduction with only hydrogen. So we will have to come up with ways to think differently about carbon. Carbon is a wonderful element. In terms of its strength as a reductant, uh, binding to oxygen uh, in a condensed phase, uh, in a reaction between a reductant particle and, and a liquid slag, and then carrying that um, oxygen away in the gas phase um, so efficiently. If you compare carbon with hydrogen, um, it's staggering how poor hydrogen is to reduce oxides because uh, with carbon you can carry at least, well, up to one mole, one mole of oxygen away uh, per mole of, of, of carbon. So one carbon mm -hmm. atom can, can bind to, to one oxygen atom and you carry out the, the carbon monoxide. A one-to-one one ratio. Yeah. When you look at hydrogen, if you put one hydrogen molecule, H2, only a fraction, about 25% in certain cases, of the hydrogen molecules will bind to a, uh, an oxygen atom. The rest will just come along for the ride. So <laughs> let's say 75% 70, of the hydrogen will have to be recirculated all the time. And that is simply because of the, the thermochemical characteristics of hydrogen. We cannot change that. It's, that is a fundamental property of, 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 of the, uh, the compounds. So we, I don't think as uh, the uh, mankind has really come fully to terms with what does it mean to move away from carbon? Carbon is not bad. Carbon is phenomenal. But how do we use it? And I think you asked the right question. How do we more efficiently use that? So we'll have to change our minds some way, in some way. But I don't believe in pyrometallurgy we will be able to get away completely from carbon. Not for the hard-to-reduce elements like chromium and other refractory oxides. I might be asking a very sensitive question now, maybe highly politicized even. Do you experience that support from South Africa that carbon does have a place in the metals industry? The narrative in South Africa, the, our focus in South Africa is uh, pretty low on Maslow's hierarchy if you compare with the first world. Uh, we are not primarily concerned about the environment. We are literally more concerned about keeping the lights on. Um, so And keeping our I economy going. Yes. So um, I don't think the, the conversation as as in South Africa at least has has reached a significant level of maturity yet. Um, we will have to 
uh, stimulate research and thinking about this. So the postgraduate programs at the, at the different universities will have to start considering and, and looking critically about what does sustainable pyrometallurgy mean? Uh, what does it mean for carbon and hydrogen and perhaps even metal, uh, uh, metal-based reductants? So um, we have to come up with a, a structured view on it. And to do that, you will have to do the, the research. You will have to understand the characteristics of carbon. You will have to understand the characteristics of hydrogen and not be naive about it and, and kind of flooding towards hydrogen. Hydrogen can be good for certain things, but uh, as a reductant, uh, it doesn't compare uh, favorably at all with carbon. So uh, we, we have to start with the science and the knowledge and the analysis and we have to um, stimulate the thinking of young people early in their careers, masters and PhDs, and and giving them really difficult problems to to think about, um, and not simply being dragged along by the the global narrative. Uh, I'm 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 generally very skeptical about mainstream topics and and, and um, opinions. Uh, I prefer to to make up my own view and 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 base it on fundamentals. And I think the the young people the uh, uh, who come into the the pyrometallurgy field, we have to teach them in that way. And and the challenges that we are facing at the moment in the world, uh, the the new more stringent constraints that are being placed on our industry, are a really good melting pot to to challenge and to develop the next generation of of thinkers uh, in pyrometallurgy in South Africa. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm really not convinced that 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 we've significantly started that conversation and that we've got a strategy in place to to deal with it. If we go from there back to new technologies, to that conversation. And we've said now that to stimulate the rate of success and to address the uncertainties in that, we need to, for example, introduce more of systems engineering in our educational system. We need to introduce more uh, thinking around sustainable metallurgical engineering Maybe not in our educational system, but as you said, in our postgraduate studies, um, we talked about more structured approaches in terms of uh, like Xmente is doing um, modeling, um, computational modeling and, and thermodynamic modeling. What other solutions, possible solutions, can you put on the table to address uncertainties in new technologies for pyrometallurgy. Any other solutions that you can put on the table that our listeners can start implementing today? Maybe that's not, that would be difficult to, to implement. I think one of the bottlenecks in, in progress for ourselves in South Africa is government. So I think as an industry and perhaps from uh, the institute side, um, I think we should... Um, and I think that's what you're doing, what you're busy doing, 
is we should stimulate discussion on this, create awareness, create understanding of all of this. What does it really mean? What is carbon? Um, what did, what is it really like? Because uh, government officials will not understand the second law. Mm, exactly. uh, so we have I have to bring them along and show them the foundations, the the, the limits with outside of which we cannot move because of physical realities. I just want to stop you there. Just say that again because that was that was really profound for me. I uh, just say that again. Um, it's you physical limits that we cannot move around or move yeah. away from acknowledging those physical limits like you said you don't want to go to war on the second law of yeah. thermodynamics what and is our baseline what is our physical limitations yes and that is what as metallurgists or chemical engineers we are taught to do but we often lose sight of that and that is an important responsibility that we have when we function inside of business or inside an industry, especially interacting, for example, with government. You cannot accept government to know these things. So you have to understand them, analyze them, and communicate them well to people who have the mandate to make important decisions. Uh, and we cannot just become frustrated because people don't know or they don't understand. It's not their responsibility to know and understand. It is ours to do that and to then communicate. So the bottleneck, I think, for rapid progress in South Africa is, the, in my view, the, the how do we see the relationship between government and industry? I think there is a, a, a huge opportunity there. We can do more modeling and all kinds of things, but I, I tend to think on a strategic level, if we can, on, on the highest level, open certain doors, the floodgates can open and, and progress can come. And we cannot, even though that uh, I'm often very critical of government, I believe they can be a massive part of the solution. And as an industry, we have to reach the hand out to them Perhaps in a different way. Perhaps we have to approach things a, a little bit different to get a different result in future and to make more rapid progress. Because there is a win-win for everybody there. We are playing, in fact, for the same team. Uh, team <laughs> yes, one team, one goal. Yes, we are exactly. stronger together. Yes. Absolutely. So I think we, we'll have to... Uh, change our perspectives, build new, stronger relationships. Um, if I can change, if I can recommend one thing today for South Africa specifically, um, to make sure that we put things in place to move forward more rapidly, it would be to say, let's sit in, in very practical, uh, sober conversations with government and come up with a strategy how we work together to make this industry what it can be to feed the people of South Africa and, and to support us uh, to be yeah, what we are supposed to be. I to love be this great. country and uh, yeah, to be, to be great and to, to create opportunities for every single person in this country. We've got the resources in the, in the ground to, to, to pay for all of this. Uh, we just have to work together together. 
uh, forget about ourselves and our own desires a little bit and think about the greater good. And um, if we work together well and we we honestly care for the country and for for the people, there's nothing fundamentally keeping us from doing that. It's uh, what we're seeing at the moment is the result of many years of bad choices. Yes, and and maybe uh, poor communication. So uh, mm. something key uh, that you said for me that I just want to highlight is uh, we have the information. How do we get it to the policymakers? How do we get it to the champions of the industry? Um, how do we build that bridge? And I almost um, want to take what you've said and break it into two parts. Um, the one profound thing that you said for me is that some of this information needs to be elevated to a strategic level. So we need a way to, uh, to find a way to do that. And I think um, SIAM, the, the, the Institute of Mining and Metallurgy, can play a role in that. But the other part that you said is who gives the information and I'm thinking on that level, there should be collaboration as well. In, in, in one of your abstracts, uh, something that triggered me is that you said, uh, um, and you said it now as well, our, our own selfish, uh, our own fenced off information is not going to cut it anymore. It's not doing the job. The information needs to reach across researchers, developers, um, producers, uh, suppliers, education, our, our academic um, institutes. So for me, there's two levels there. And I think the institute and Exmente can play a role in both, in strategically reaching the policymakers, but also collaborating amongst ourselves as well. Yeah. Um, and, and on that note, I want to mention um, maybe a little advertisement for you, Johan, and for Exmente, and then definitely for the Institute. We do have a pyrometallurgy conference coming up next year, March, and I believe you are one of our premium sponsors. So will our listeners be able to meet you there? Will our listeners be able to have a conversation with you there? Yes, we are going to present several papers. Uh, um, my team and I, I think we've we've submitted five or six abstracts. Uh, I'm going to do a keynote presentation on this topic that we are talking about today with exactly the same topic. Um, and some of the, the the team is going to talk about the importance of material properties in pyrometallurgy. Some of them are going to talk about multi-physics modeling. And even uh, Dr. Bernard van Vieren, who is our manager of team empowerment at, at Exmente, he's going to talk about how do we empower teams in our industry um, for sustainable progress and performance. Uh, because the, even in a small little company like Exmente, the human aspects are crucial to our success. It's not all about models and thermodynamics. And even though I love those things, I've, I've had to realize as a very technically task oriented person in my life that if you really want to make a difference, you have to build a team and you have to. Yes genuinely care for them you have to create circumstances for them where they can be brilliant 
And we are trying to do that in Xmente and we've had some failures and, 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 and several successes as well. But I'm really uh, looking forward specifically to that talk of, of Bernard's. Uh, and I think that is also a, a topic uh, that we have to stimulate in, in, in our industry is, is the people part of it. Um, I, I couldn't back to, agree with you more, Johan. I just want to pause you there because, as we've said, the suggestions that you've just made today, elevating information on a strategic level. Uh, we mentioned collaboration, and I believe this is in the abstract of your talks as well, uh, collaboration between our own role players in our industry. Um, although there is power in knowledge, if you don't have power in relationships – that information will never reach the correct people. Yeah. Um, so I just want to congratulate Xmente on that and having a topic on that at the Pyrometallurgy Conference because you cannot do the one without the other. You cannot, yes. ha cannot have power in knowledge and not have power in relationships. Uh, otherwise, you will not see the change. Um, so congratulations Absolutely. to you, Johan, and the team. I think that the matter of uh, elevating to a strategic level, um, something that we try to do at Exmente is to to realize what the real problems are. Uh, we've got a saying, I often say that at Exmente, we don't always give our clients what they ask for, but we always do the best we can to give them what they need. Because mm -hmm. those two things are not always the same. Um, and it makes me think of a, uh, I was involved as an expert witness in an arbitration case between a, a large Asian commodity producer and a, uh, uh, an engineering house in, in Europe. And I was obviously involved as a smelting, as a pyrometallurgy expert. And it's a very interesting process that they go through, two rounds of exchanging of information and eventually at the end you get to the hearing. And we first received uh, uh, the submission uh, from uh, the, the, the Asian company um, which, in which they made statements. And then we responded to that in, in our first round. And then in their second round, they, the, the amount of information that they threw at us just exploded. It, and I was focusing on the design of the furnace and the refractory materials and all of those things. But when in that second round I saw what was being done, I thought that maybe this is a tactic. They are trying to distract us from the real issues. And I, I took a few steps back and I looked at the larger project and ultimately, the problem in that, that bad circumstance, this was one of those bad circumstances where we, we learned a lot, the, the root cause of not starting up those furnaces in, in the planned time, but it took years and years and years longer, was not a furnace design problem. It was a leadership problem. The leadership of that the project made some really bad decisions. It was at a time where commodity prices boomed and people got very excited and they started 
skipping some of the stage gates of, of good project practice. And that was fundamentally which caused them to lose uh, an enormous amount of money. So we should fight the fights. We should attack the problems in our industry at the correct level to have impact and to move forward at pace. We can always do more thermodynamic calculations and more multi-physics modeling. But if we don't do that in a context where the circumstances are fruitful and we've got fundamental support from government and Mintech is healthy and the universities are focused on contributing to a national strategy, we're all going to pull in our own little self-centered directions and... Unfortunately, society, from my perspective, we've all become very self-centered. It's all about me and my career and uh, and uh, and my success. And it's it's there's a paradox there. I believe you. Well, my strategy for being successful is uh, not trying. Uh, I try to help other people. Um, oh, so my yes. focus is not my own success, but our client success or my team member success. If I honestly, div- uh, and if I'm authentic about it, because you can always man- try to manipulate people and fake it. But if you're authentic about it, then at the end of your life, if all goes well, I believe words like success or legacy will be used when people refer to you. But you should not try to do that. Uh, you should not try to manufacture your own success or your own glory or your own um, legacy. Uh, that's futile. But society, that's, I think, if you watch TikTok or Instagram or whatever, that's pretty much, or even LinkedIn, that's, the, that's kind of the message that we're sending, isn't it? I want to support you fully there. And what a beautiful note to end this podcast on because I, I actually 100% agree with you. The more you build the people in our industry and the more you build the industry, uh, naturally, logically, it follows that the higher chances you have of your own success. If we don't promote the pyrometallurgical industry and if we don't promote the place that carbon has in it, if we don't promote the people working in this industry, in this metals industry, we will struggle in vain to build our own success. I've got a final question for you, Johan. So as a Dr. Johan Zitzman from Exmente, I want to ask you, looking at pyrometallurgical modeling, the black magic around it, the dark arts around it, <laughs> do you believe that by having the systems approach, by looking at uh, sustainably, uh, more effectively and efficiently operating within pyrometallurgy and elevating our knowledge and our information to a strategic level where policymakers uh, have access to it, do you think we can increase our rate of innovation in the metals industry in South Africa? I absolutely think it's possible. But it may not be simple to achieve that because 
there are many parties involved in this ecosystem in our industry in South Africa. We've said a lot about government, but if you look at Mintec, for example, and the universities, they all have a crucial role to play. But if we all keep on doing things the way that we've always been doing them, then we'll get what we've always got. I think we need a more unified approach, national strategic approach. And I'm pretty sure some of these things have been talked about. Some of them have been written about. But I think we can get a lot more value from the resources that we have. The professors at the universities, the, the even the undergraduate students can co- start contribute in their final years. The masters and the PhD students. In in my view, I, I'm a big proponent for for postgraduate training. If we use that part of the, the ecosystem well, we focus them not necessarily just on publishing, but on a national strategy. And if we make sure Mintec is well equipped. We create a circumstance and incentives in South Africa for even uh, companies like Exmente uh, to flourish. We will do it. So create the the garden, prepare the garden, sow the seeds, and watch it bloom. The people will will make this bloom. Government does not have to get the results. Government just need to establish. Uh, fruitful circumstances. And that's their responsibility uh, as leadership. Uh, and if we can do that, and if we're all prepared to sacrifice our current perspectives and our ways of thinking and our own careers and, and all of those nice things for targeting this future for this industry in South Africa, I think we will be speechless looking back even 10 years from now. If we make good decisions now, we will radically change the future. Uh, So absolutely, I believe it's possible, but it's not easy because you have to, uh, we will all have to sacrifice something of ourselves to become part of something bigger. Nothing worthwhile is ever easy. Stronger together, this is a call to arms. And I want to thank you for, for doing that for us today. So to all our listeners from universities, from government, hopefully, maybe, our suppliers, our developers, our researchers, Mintech, all our listeners, this was a call to arms from Dr. Johan Zitzmann at Mente. Let's pull together, let's work together to increase our rate of success in South Africa's parametallurgical industry. Johan, thank you very much for joining us today. And if anyone wants to get hold of you, we'll share Exmente's details on this podcast. And we look forward to seeing all of you at our International Pyrometallurgy Conference next year, March. Thank you very much. Thank you, Zalmia. And thank you to the SIIMM. I've been a member since undergrad and I'm a proud member and well done on this new initiative of the Crucible podcast. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Thank you, Yuan, and thank you to the fan base. Thank you for listening. Please note that the facts and opinions expressed are those of the individual and do not reflect the position of SIEM or the corporate institution. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.